1: It's the Locked On Coyotes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, Friday, July twenty third. Today is the day of the NHL Entry Draft. The last two days been quite busy. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the mock draft episode that we that uh, at least from the first part, parts one through sixteen, with the other uh, other members of the Locked On NHL podcast. Today we got a lot of stuff coming up for you because uh, we have the news from yesterday, uh, you know, including the uh, Seattle Kraken's pick of uh, Tyler Pitlick, the Arizona Coyotes also trading for Shane Gossenspear, and we're gonna have uh, lots of other news coming up, some arena rumors coming in, all that on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. I'm Robin Leano, your host of today's show and of the podcast. Carl Pavlik of 5 joins me on today's episode. Carl, how are you doing? How's the last the last couple of days been? Uh, how do you enjoy the expansion draft?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. It's been a busy uh, couple of days. Today felt like um, it was just a week's worth of stuff happening in a single day, which is always kind of fun. Uh, the offseason, especially when we're dealing with deadlines, can be kind of like start and stop. And... It, that's always just a, a fun environment for me, where like you're just doing nothing, and then you have to go zero to sixty to sh- start covering things. It's always a uh, entertaining, but but yeah, it's been a good day. It's been a good week, and it's Friday, so TGIF.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially again, because with the with the draft today, um, as of the this recording, and likely as of this episode release. Okay, Arizona Kites don't have a first round pick. Um, obviously, the next few hours things could change because there is still lots of roster movement that could be made. Bill Armstrong said on uh, Thursday afternoon that he's not done making moves.
0: Yeah, and he still has a lot of work to do. Even if we're we're like not talking about like first round picks, like we could still potentially see something for our second round happening um, today tomorrow the team still needs to fill up the blue line there's a lot of names that are rumored to be on the way out um i could definitely see more happening uh this evening i could definitely see a lot happening tomorrow as well yeah we can see
1: absolutely a lot happening imagine just imagine the coyotes getting more second round picks they already have seven Coming up in the next, uh, in the next, in this year or next year combined, one they picked up today. We'll talk about that in in a little bit. But before we get to that, let's just go ahead and briefly go over um, what went down at the expansion draft. Because, like I said, yesterday's episode was a pre-produced uh, show for you guys. Uh, the Seattle Kraken pick up Tyler Pitlick from the Arizona Coyotes, and then almost right away, uh, about you know twelve hours later uh a little more than 12 hours later like 18 hours later go ahead and they go ahead and uh flip him over to the calgary flames for a uh for some for a draft pick i believe uh fourth uh, round pick fourth round pick that's what it was uh did, did, i think we all saw this coming we knew that no matter who seattle was gonna pick from arizona they were gonna trade him anyways i think that was the, <laughs> i think that was the consensus.
0: Yeah, I'm, with Craig Morgan reporting that the team was looking, or the Kraken were looking to draft Aiden Hill just to flip him, you kind of got the impression that they didn't think that the Coyotes had anything that was going to fit their team. It was more about getting assets for him, uh, for whoever they ended up drafting. And Tyler Pitlick definitely has more name recognition than Christian Fisher um, or Ilya Labushkin, who I guess would be like the dark horse candidate that no one actually talked about. Um, he had played for Edmonton and Philadelphia, which tend to be like bigger market teams. You get a name recognition when you play for a bigger team. Um, So I can see why they take him and flip him for assets. Like a fourth round pick I thought was pretty low. Um, But yeah, I guess it was the best move that they could make. And Calgary Flames are are an interesting team to watch this offseason. Let's just say that. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the Pacific Division here.
1: Uh, The Pacific Division is going to be all over the place.
0: Especially the Canadian Pacific Division. Like, everything that's happening in Edmonton is just like, what are you guys doing? um
1: But they're I'm still st- going to be probably the best Canadian Pacific Division team. Because, <laughs> let's be real here. Do you really expect much from Calgary or for Vancouver?
0: I don't know. Vancouver is like. Because they haven't really done too much, as far as I can tell. I keep waiting for them to do something kind of silly uh and then like see where it goes i i do remember vancouver kind of being on the way up before like last season and everything went crazy so it'll be interesting to kind of see although hey it, it's not like we have to worry about it too much anymore going to the central
1: uh, yeah going to the central um the, the uh there was a little subtle mention of that with the uh in the in the expansion draft you heard the uh uh the broadcasters pretty much be like oh get Arizona coyotes they're the ones moving to the central to make way for seattle and i'm uh and i think i, I think i i heard a collective sigh here in arizona everyone was just so upset because this is happening and it's oh, and it's kind of become real
0: absolutely and then the schedule was released today um which or yesterday um which just made it all the realer um but, yeah, no, I, I thought that was just a very weird, like, draft. Because they're like, well, of course the Coyotes are, you know, moving to the Central. By the way, let us let us talk about our season opener and the arena that we're building. And then, uh, like, a minute and a half of that, we're like, in the arena construction, people are going to do the pick. And it's like, okay. Um, I, I like the fact that, like, the workers... Uh, people building the arena made the pick for the Coyotes. I thought that was kind of cool, but that's just my personal beliefs about uh, that kind of thing. It was a very weird expansion draft um, and seeing like everything be confirmed from the leaks earlier. It was just kind of like interesting to watch what Seattle was doing and how Seattle everything was seattle's like de- i mean yeah they're definitely taking
1: a different approach than vegas took which is uh mind-boggling to me but also i'm curious to see how it turns out for them yeah.
0: It w- it was interesting to see like a seattle that was like bright and like sunny out like it does it definitely doesn't have like the vibe of seattle that i always picture um from listening to 90s grunge music where it's like always raining they're like Fun people on jet skis. It's like what is Seattle? Uh, this is a completely different vibe than I was expecting. It was
1: half. I mean, did you notice that they were on a they were at a park, pretty much like outside of downtown Seattle? So, and like you can see it on the other side. Maybe a little bit fog over it. I don't know. I couldn't tell from that from that angle. But yeah,
0: and then they also had the fish market and, and everything else. Um, it was a. Uh, it was. It was still an interesting draft. It, the results had been pretty much spoiled before noon. Um, so we knew almost nice to everyone watch who was... rally, <laughs> Yeah, but everyone kind of jumped in on that. Uh, I still watched it. Um, and I still found it like an interesting vibe for, for the Seattle Kraken. It's kind of cool to get insight into how like the team is going to be marketing themselves and how ESPN is going to be marketing hockey. And it sounds like they're just going to have people who are being very like jerky to teams and that could get fun. Absolutely. Hey,
1: we still got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's show. Uh, we got some uh, roster freeze lift moves as well as uh, some other news coming out. Obviously at the schedule release, we had uh, some arena rumors, all that coming up on this episode of Locked On Coyotes. But first, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back here on Locked On Coyotes. Robin Leone, Carl Pavlik of FiveForHowling.com, here on this wonderful Friday as uh, you probably are all listening, getting ready for the NHL draft tonight on ESPN at uh, 5 p.m. going to be exciting. Um, to uh, get some more draft coverage. Obviously, as we, as I said earlier, the Coyotes, at this time of this recording, and probably at the time that you guys are listening, don't have a first-round pick. That could very well change in the next few hours. Because as we know, the Coyotes are active. I mentioned before, um, on the last segment that Bill Armstrong says he's not done making moves. One move he already made yesterday, a pretty big move, We, I'd say he's calling it, is a um, making a transaction with the Philadelphia Flyers, Carl, and that being that the Coyotes acquire Shane Spear and a second round pick in twenty twenty two, and I believe also a seventh round
0: in twenty twenty two for nothing. I did see one site that actually labeled it future considerations, um, which which is which is the general requirement. But but we all
1: know that means nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh and it's the same with the Andrew Ladd trade. Um when I um details of the trade kind of leaked out slowly. So uh I saw that we had gotten Gus to spare and I was like, okay. Um I was a big fan of him his rookie season when he was just dominant and then he started to kind of like fall off had injury he, issues
1: and yeah you
0: know yeah. um but then I saw, like, it's like, oh, it's going to be a, a second and a seventh. I was like, okay, that's a pretty good trade for Gus pair. Get, like, a second pairing defenseman, a uh, second unit power play guy for a second and a seventh. And it's like, oh, no, no, the second and the seventh are coming with him, and we're giving up nothing. It's like, no, that's a phenomenal deal. I'm I'm absolutely, like, blown away by that deal. Um He is set to make, I believe, only $1 million if Philadelphia has already paid his signing bonus, which I believe they have. I don't believe I've seen that confirmed yet. And he is not signed for much money next year. Um, So it's not like he's going to be an albatross around the the team's neck. Um, This is a phenomenal deal by Bill Armstrong to get a player who needs a change of scenery.
1: It is much different than the whole Angelad situation, who we don't know if he's actually going to play a game in, in and uh, you know wear a Coyotes uniform because you know all the issues he's gone and you know getting demoted to to the AHL off of the Islanders and everything like that. That's a whole different situation. Here we actually have one where Shane Goss's spirit can actually still play, and like mm-hmm. you said, he can easily be that second pairing defenseman. He's I, I and not having to give anything up, like. For a team that's rebuilding, you know, just getting a pretty decent defenseman and draft picks and not having to give anything up, Bill Armstrong is doing something good here.
0: Yeah. Uh, I do not expect the team to be spending towards the cap this year, which, or next year, because you don't when you're rebuilding, unless you're picking up these kind of contracts. So it's not like him being overpaid is hurting the team much. Like it affects the internal cap, but, but that's fine. He had nine goals and 11 assists in 41 games though, last year. So, or last season, so he can still play. He's only 28. Uh, He could easily rebound and this could be even more of a steal. But if he's, even if he's just like a serviceable second pairing person or third pairing, like, getting a second-round pick for it with him, that's just a phenomenal deal.
1: Yeah, uh, overall and just in general, just because, uh, you know, second-round picks, I think, especially in 2022, as I talked about it um, on uh, Monday's episode, as you and I talked and as well as Rose, is I think we mentioned that the 2022 draft is a probably one of the deepest that anyone will see in quite a long time. Uh, yeah, second round, you're still not getting, like, a top-end talent that you're not going to get the next Connor McDavid or the next, you know, any superstar in the second round. But you can still get some pretty freaking good players there. And the fact that in 2022, the Coyotes have four
0: second-round picks. Yeah, you could get uh, the next Christian Dvorak, um, you know. And even if the team doesn't end up using all those picks, they're a really good asset to, to flip for something else. Either prospects, uh, throw it in there with, with a package. That's, that was my initial reaction. Like, hey, we just got a pick um, for the lad deal. We could start sending those picks out to get players like Goss to Spare. It didn't even like matter that the pick was coming with him. It's like, okay, yeah, we have that asset we can make those moves now um and i'm just glad to see armstrong finding these types of deals and really kind of speeding up uh hopefully the rebuild in a, in a conceivable way i do want to see him start to get some first round picks uh like you had mentioned that's where you get the superstars um but he's still got plenty of time on his hands and he's built up a, a fair amount of like Goodwill, I would say, amongst myself and I think amongst a lot of fans. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode,
1: Bill Armstrong said he's not done before today's draft. Moves will still be made. Whether or not he tries to go for a first rounder, that I don't know. But what we do kind of know, obviously it's all all, uh, like smoke and mirrors, rumors, whatever you want to call it. Three players obviously being among the question mark, are they gonna be moved anytime in the next few days or so? And that being Oliver Eckman Larson, Conor Garland, and Phil Kessel.
0: Yeah. And I have seen some talk of Christian Dvorak too. Um, I don't know how far for, that would go. From yeah. what
1: I hear, even and this is what people and this is what people should know, and this is the kind of level of rebuild we're talking about is no player is off the table except for one. And that one player that is, that is completely off the table from any other team is Jacob Chickren, which makes yeah. sense. He's, he is the future face of this franchise.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jacob Chikorin should be the only untouchable. Um, I know a lot of fans would be very upset if the team traded Connor Garland. Uh, I have been saying for a while that... I don't think the team should because I don't think that they need as big of a rebuild as they're likely going to be going through. (laughs) They don't need to blow it up. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they do, uh, but I think the team is going to. And if they are going to blow it up, I'd rather they do it the correct way, and that would be shipping out Connor Garland. Like It's like I'm watching someone. I'm like, hey, you're about to do something I don't think you should do. But before you jump off that roof onto that trampoline, you should put on a helmet first at least. Um, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but yeah, it's it seems like we can definitely see a lot of movement um, in the next and, few hours, <laughs> in the next few hours. And for pretty hefty return, like I think if the team's pulling the trigger on a Garland trade, he better begin at first back. Um
1: I don't know. It's if... funny because I was actually talking with somebody um, with uh, with a friend of mine just the other day, and he asked me. He's like, "Do you really think Gar- Garland can uh, yield back a a first round pick?" And I'm like, "Yeah,
0: of course he <laughs> <you> can." <laughs> yeah, um, his age I think is going to throw a couple people off. He's a, he's a late bloomer, but he he has like shown that he can. Be a good NHL player the past couple seasons, and he is getting a lot of name recognition as well. And I do think that that is almost as important as how good he is. Because if you're a team that's sending over a first round pick, you want to be able to go to your fan base and say, like, "Look, we gave up a lot, but this is who we got." And Connor Garland is absolutely that player that you can take to your fan base and say, like you're going to love him. We got him for you. You're going to love him. Just, just wait and see. And at this point, people are probably going to be excited. They don't even need to wait and see. They're going to be like, hell yeah, Connor Garland. Um, cause he has had that breakout season and he just has all the stock in the world right now. I'm
1: going to go ahead and try to expand a little bit for you here. And, or at least I try, or ha- try to get you to expand a little bit. um, these other two players I mentioned that are you know the the main to be rumored and uh, Oliver Rickman Larson and and uh, Phil Kessel. I'm gonna let you you know. Let's just say you are Bill Armstrong. What are you asking for these two players? These veterans.
0: <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, I th- Kessel. I think he had the 20 goal season and a shortened season. Um, which seems to have really caused his his stock to go up a, a bit, but he is on the older end, and by that I mean I'm pretty sure he's my age now. Um, I don't necessarily think that he gets any kind of return, so I would say maybe like a potential like needs a change of scenery prospect and a second for Kessel. Um, okay, and that's maybe a little bit high. Uh, Oel, I, I still like the guy. I still think the team should keep him, but his stock I think is much much lower. Um, so I think he would have to be like a veteran guy, and maybe like a fourth. It almost feels like we would have to pay someone to take OEL at this point, just after the uh, after the talk at Ears, um, which is why I wouldn't trade him, because I don't think that we should be paying someone to take him. Uh, but if like, you look at a player like like Philadelphia had to give up a second and a seventh just to get another team to take him off his hands, and he has a much better contract than OEL. Um And I would say he's more offensively productive than OEL. Uh, OEL probably takes less defensive mistakes. But he definitely appeared to have lost a step last year. Um, Led to him taking a lot of penalties when he got beat. Uh, I think teams are going to be kind of wary of that. But, you know. So I don't necessarily think he would get much of a return. Like... He's definitely like a move that you make to not have to pay him anymore.
1: That makes sense. The one thing I'm really hoping the Coyotes can try to look for, and this is because uh, I've been talking about this for a while, is they need to figure out a way also to acquire at least some kind of center you know, s- center positions because they, they don't have any besides Nick Schmaltz.
0: Yeah. And Dvorak. Um... Yeah, yeah, and Dvorak. Yeah. They definitely... But would
1: but would they be of a, a one and two seed? That's the question. Like, no, not <laughs> yeah. any other team. They're not a one and two seed. No,
0: absolutely not. Uh, it, I, the team definitely needs a center. I don't like the idea of like trading for a center. Well,
1: this is where free agency comes into place, and that's
0: going to come up. We'll talk about probably in the next couple of days. Yeah, but. I mean, maybe they they can get in in on that Jack Eichel sweepstakes because he seems to be on his way out of Buffalo.
1: Yeah, we don't have a first rounder though, so yeah, they True. want that. Uh,
0: but is it something that they want for next year, or or will Buffalo take twenty twenty two?
1: Here's percent. an idea, and that we are uh, bumming up against a break. So I'll, I'll I'll give you this idea, and then we move on to the next topic. I um, will give you the kind of an idea of what they're looking for. Is I think there was still they there was a little bit of backing off on this deal um as in in the last you know day or so, but from what I hear, they were coming really close to the idea of trading with the Ducks for their third overall pick this year.
0: Hmm. That's
1: the kind of thing that they're looking for for Eichel.
0: That is a.
1: Steep, steep ask, and, and yeah. he was a, And he, to make things even more, not just that third overall, but there, were, but the Ducks were also willing to give up Jamie Drysdale. Mm. See, this is what I'm talking about. There's no way the Coyotes can afford that if we're on a rebuilding team.
0: Yeah, the the Coyotes do not have anywhere close to the assets for something like that. Um, that that makes absolute sense that they would be like offering something like that. Uh, we cannot compete for for Jack Uncle, so way to shut down my fantasies.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, you just got to be real here. That's how uh, that's that's how it goes. But you know what? That's okay because the Coyotes are rebuilding. That's what their focus should be. We shouldn't be focused on getting top end talent. Um, and that's how it goes. And you know, I think that's and I think that's okay. Bill Armstrong is doing a perfectly good job at that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and, and, and don't worry. I, I have plenty of other fantasy trades and moves that the Coyotes can do. And hey, if the Ducks make that trade, at least we don't have to be in the same division as Jack Eichel. Ah, you got a good point there, uh,
1: man. The uh, moving to the Central—a blessing and a curse. Hey, guys, we got some. Uh, still got some more stuff to talk about. The NHL released their schedule uh, for every. For all 32 teams, we will try of take a look into just a little bit of it, kind of break down how the Coyote season is going to begin. You're, you probably might not like it. Then, we will talk some arena rumors. This is something you might like, um, but don't get your hopes up. Uh, we will talk about that in just a sec. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors ranging from coconut, raspberry, salted caramel orange it is absolutely amazing that they have all these flavors they are high in protein low in calories low in sugar low in carbs all the things you want out of a good protein bar and the best part is they taste absolutely delicious they taste more like a candy bar than they do a protein bar so if you're unsure what kind of flavor that you're looking for, I mentioned some of the flavors out there. Um, you can go ahead and try a mix box. You got two of each flavors, absolutely amazing. And then you can maybe buy a box of uh, one that you, that you decided that you really like. You can order today and get grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go ahead and go to built. Built.com and use the promo code locked15 and you get 15% off your order. Once again, locked15 for 15% off at built.com. And we're back here on the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Once again, Robin leono and Carl Pavlik of FiverrHowling.com. You're on this Friday as we count down to the NHO entry draft. Um, but to, before we even get to that, uh, again, Carl, the schedule was released today for the Arizona Coyotes and the other 31 teams in the NHL. And uh, it was a very interesting uh, schedule release for for Arizona, so to, so to speak.
0: Yeah, it's... Um... The, there is a break for the Olympics in the schedule, which I think is making a lot of them up here pretty like, wonky. Uh, the Coyotes do not have a easy start, um, and they're going to have 17 back-to-backs throughout the season, which is pretty high. Um, it is going to be... Uh, a difficult schedule to say the least.
1: So here's how things start for them. It get, 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 just to get you an idea of how the uh, um, Coyote season is going to go. And this is just to start of the season, the first a uh, little over a month, as I will uh, can give, give you an idea. Um, they will start the season at Columbus and then to Buffalo before coming home hosting St. Louis edmonton and the new york islanders then comes a lengthy road trip where they play where they go to florida tampa bay washington carolina philadelphia and then all the way to anaheim before coming back home to host seattle and minnesota what a swanky start carl
0: yeah it it, it definitely, like, looking at it, I was like, does, "Is there like something going on at Heeler River Arena for a couple weeks that they're scheduling around?" Because you see that with the um, with the Chicago Blackhawks every year when they have the circus in town, but but I couldn't really see anything. I didn't look too hard. Just kind of a wonky situation. Uh, I I do think it's kind of, but if the Coyotes are still in the running. The season ends with five of the final six games being against Central Division opponents. So, like looking at it, that's that's one of those. Hey, you could potentially control your own destiny if you're running up against the the Blues or the Stars or the Predators for that final wild card spot. But I don't know if the Coyotes are going to be able to even get that far.
1: Um, I will say something though on that note. Um, we're gonna be lucky. with the central division isn't as strong as I thought it would be. Cutting it next year, obviously with Minnesota going through a lot of changeover, and uh, I think other than Colorado, a lot of teams aren't like stellar.
0: Yeah, um, Minnesota—they're kind of one to keep an eye on um, in the off season because they have like a really like great year this past year, but then seem things seem to be going kinda. Yeah, weird. but they also
1: have like what was it, like seventeen million dollars of dead cat the next two years because they bought out Parise and Suter.
0: <laughs> yeah, two of just two of and, the most ridiculous contract signings in the history of the NHL and I'm glad they're being punished for it. Um the New Jersey Devils were punished for that Kovac deal and then I think they weren't, but the Minnesota Wild absolutely should be punished for, for the deals that they signed to Suter and Parisi. I'm all here for it.
1: Yeah, not to mention, the we still don't know what's going on with Kuro Kaprizov. So, uh, this Central Division could look very different next year. And now I'm not going to, uh, again, I don't want to give anyone ho- any hopes because uh, the Coyotes are definitely a rebuilding team and it's and we talked about that all of this episode that that's pretty much their their intention that i mean that's the reason why they're picking up all these draft picks
0: yeah it, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, if they because th- i think if they have a good year which potentially they could it could be like one of those retool decisions um and just kind of rebuild on the fly if because I don't see them being bad enough to finish at the bottom of the central. No, um, I think I
1: think uh like Dallas is down would be down there. Yeah. Uh, Which you Nashville, need to maybe. finish
0: at the bottom of the standings to get the big picks to get the superstars. And like if you can't even finish at the bottom of your own division, like they're just playing the Ottery Lods and no one wants that. Yeah. It's it's gonna be interesting.
1: That's that's for sure. Um, but I uh, hope you guys all enjoy that uh, the, the, the schedule coming up. I don't know if it's, it's gonna be. Like I guess it's gonna be wild. Um, but if you want something to look forward to, um, and again, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up because it's all room. Well, it's actually a little more than rumors because there's actually gonna be a, there's actually a proposal in place, but it's uh, it's definitely not set in stone uh, and. Here's what we're at. Here's what it is: the Arizona Coy- The Arizona Coyotes are going to be partially entered into these talks with the city of Tempe to uh, look for a development in uh, just south of the uh, Salt River to build a potential arena. Yeah. Are we? Like, I feel like we're doing this a lot. This happens a lot, a lot with the Coyotes, and it. I mean they came close to a deal with the with Arizona State a couple years back. I think this
0: one might be different carl yeah uh, the the history of Coyote's rumors for arenas have been happening since it was called Jobbing.com dot com arena, which is just a very long time um there was like Seattle was always in the running. Um, there was always talk about the team going back downtown. Although oh, that was kind of squashed when the like reconstruction of the um, Suns Arena did not, you know, make it fit for hockey. Uh, the previous Tempe plan, which you were, which you kind of uh, referenced, was different. It was with ASU rather than the city. It was also, I believe, going to be a little bit further east um by the tempe marketplace i think like a mile south of that the current proposal or request for proposals that we've seen from the city of tempe is for priest and rio salado which is just south of the 202 uh i mentioned on twitter that i actually used to live like a block and a half away from there uh just there's a whole lot of nothing there right now, so for, yeah. Right now, I
1: think the uh, that lot is currently occupied by the uh, the compost yard, yeah. Uh, which, uh, if, um, which, if I was reading the article that a- the Arizona Republic put out, um, you can go ahead and read that on there. Um, it's, it's just easy to access if you're not a subscriber. It's right now they're doing a special thing, it's like a dollar for six months. If you just want to read this article. Um, so that's what they said. It would be like they would put like seventy million dollars just to essentially remove the compost yard and kind of like clean it all up before they even consider doing the rest of the development. Um, but that's where it's going to be, um, right there, as you said, um, at that corner of uh, Priest and Ria Salado. And I, if if you on on uh, follow us on on Twitter, you can see a lot of people have have thoughts on it. A lot of people have their thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. if the the thing that has always been kind of a sticking point for coyotes arenas is how are people going to get there uh because glendale really became the worst case scenario um, which is very interesting uh if you've lived in the valley for a long time like i have like the idea of putting an arena in glendale made sense for a time but then development of the the state just didn't progress in the way that it looked like it was going to. And a big thing uh, that everyone noticed is access was horrible. Like everyone hates driving to Glendale, um, especially if you live in any part of the Eastern Valley. But if it goes in Tempe, it's going to be right by the 202, which is pretty easy to get to. Um, It's actually not that far up from the 60. It is a it's mile to, and a it's half. Co- it's close to Arizona State and and uh, and Mill. Yeah, and being on Mill, it's close to the light rail, and it's conceivable that the Tempe streetcar program, um, which I haven't gotten to to ride yet, um, because of when it like you know finish if even finished I'm not even sure. I don't drive to Tempe much uh, right now. Um, It's close enough that you can do an extension or like a separate line so you can have people get off the light rail, hop on a coyote's train to the new arena. And like that is something that you can sell anyone. Uh, Heck,
1: if anything, it's like I I could see of a thing where people park. And I'm looking right now, um, just as a brief idea, kind of see where where things are. There are a lot of uh, parking lots on that western edge of uh of arizona state like that walk is conceivable people can walk that like
0: and obviously
1: people don't like walking and that's fine uh i've done it along i've done it several times um you know growing up in the bay area to go to San Jose Sharks games, and San, when I go to San Francisco to go to uh, San Francisco Giants games, I've walked far. I've walked over a mile several times, and and so I'm obviously I again I'm not saying you guys can do the same thing, but what I'm saying is it's it's easy access to a lot of you know transit areas, and you can get yourself there.
0: Yeah, we're talking about this in July, and so the idea of walking to the arena like. Over a mile. That seems inc- that that seems ridiculous. That seems yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But we're if we're but talking like season is October. So like those April games, that's not going to be fun. But like a November, November
1: through November through March. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, uh, I go on uh, hikes in the afternoon that time of the year, and it is just beautiful. It is the best time to be in Arizona in the winter when it's just insanely gorgeous out so that would be amazing i would do that so much um and someone actually pointed out that there's also a light rail stop like even if you don't want to stop on mill to pregame, i'm definitely going to be doing uh although ruble is gone darn um you can go uh north of the salt river there's a stop and you can just walk down across the bridge that way it is going to be so convenient for anyone in the like Phoenix slash East Valley area to get to this spot. Um, Which, as we said, that's where all the Coyotes fans are. Yeah. And it is also going to be great for the people who have to drive because I don't know about... Well, definitely not you, but I don't know about a lot of fans. But I'll be taking that light rail because... Traffic after the arena sucks. Um, I like to consume alcohol before and after hockey games when I'm not working. Um, and driving back, you know, there's, there's a lot of, like, you have to be cut off at a certain point to, to make sure that you're able to drive back. If I can hop on a light rail and then, like, just get off and walk a block to my house, I would love that so much. This is, like, one of the, like, best things that could have happened in terms of like people like me who live in phoenix close to the light rail and i think you know what the cool thing
1: uh, the cool thing uh for someone like me and a lot of roadrunners fans down here is this spot is much much easier to access from tucson than having to go all the way to glendale like it's cuts our commute by half an hour
0: yeah the maybe even more maybe even a full hour I would say at least forty-five minutes, especially the time of day people are driving up. Oh yeah, I'll even say yeah. I'll I'll,
1: I'll go say a full hour. That's good. Yeah. Let's go at that point. At, at least forty-five minutes to a full hour, even up to ninety minutes, depending on how much traffic. But yeah. like that, that, but that's a huge chunk of time that you can that we can save on the road.
0: Absolutely, uh, and if you're not from Arizona, you don't know the the area too well. That may not make a lot of sense, but. The I-10, which is pretty much the only way to get to the uh, West Valley, is insanely terrible at nights in terms of traffic. And it makes life miserable for anyone who comes up from Tucson, unless they're doing it super early in the day. Um, It would just be phenomenal uh, to have it in Tempe where, you know, there's going to be traffic uh, Tempe Gets a lot of traffic that time of day too, but it will be so much easier for, I think, almost all Arizona hockey fans, uh, unless you live in Flagstaff, in which case I'm sorry. Um, and uh, there was some brief splash uh, where I think the mayors of Tempe and Phoenix talked about getting like a high speed rail between, um, or I'm sorry, between Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, that would be. Really great if you guys could get that going too. Like Tucson may become like so easy to get to Coyotes games if two things, which are at this point, let's be real, uh, because we've all been here before. Like pie in the sky. Do not bet on either of these th- things happening because so many things can happen between now and then. But like it could be a lot easier for Coyotes fans in the next yeah. couple
1: years. See, I'm I- I'm still one to believe that I, like like to me this isn't real until a shovel hits the ground the thing is why i'm having a little more hopes with this is there's actually like you know i was reading from reading the article on the on the republic it actually seems like a real concrete plan in place it's privately funded uh, it, it just
0: seems like there's hope Yeah. Tempe as a town, um, anytime I go there, um, I used to live there, but not for a couple of years. It seems like they're very interested in developing. And at first I thought that it was just ASU that was pushing all that because ASU was doing a lot of development and they still are. But it does seem like the city itself is trying to be like, no, we can do stuff. We can have this kind of environment. We have... A vacant lot we have a bar district that's less than two miles away why can't we make this happen why cannot why can't we make tempe like a center for hockey like it is with the like spring training having a lot there and uh asu football like there's definitely a a world where Tempe's like, no, we like more money, and we like money from sports teams. So we're gonna spend a couple of million dollars cleaning up this compost thing to give us a nice riverside, fancy pants uh, arena. Plus,
1: other more benefits to bring in money is this could eventually open the gateway to Arizona hosting an outdoor game because they're closer to obviously all the fans. Uh more money can come in on that side first of all, then striking a deal with Arizona State, make yourself a weekend out of it, maybe have the game at Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah. That would be obviously that's a pipe dream.
0: But (laughs) Well, if you look at what happens whenever the Super Bowl is in town, all the events are really in downtown Phoenix because no one wants to do stuff in Glendale. Exactly. Um, And that's not to say anything disparaging about Glendale. I have people who live there. I almost ended up living there myself. Um, But there's not that much to do. Uh, And no one likes Westgate because Westgate is just a lot. Um, Westgate is a place that is never really going to be that big uh, for those kind of major events. But Mill Avenue can be. Like you can easily turn Mill Avenue and just like shut that, shut it down for a giant all-star thing, or like let's go crazy. Let's do like a Frozen Four there, because you can you can probably get something like that going on too. If you have two ice sheets, you could really start to like pump up the ASU Sun Devils team as well. Um, you could do a lot in Tempe, a lot more than you could do in Glendale. Um, not as much as Phoenix, but still a lot. And if Tempe is looking to develop in that way, it's a really smart move for them to make, and it is an insanely smart move for the team to make. Like, there's then, no like downside for the team.
1: And then, like mentioned before, you can usually take a light rail to downtown, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's 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 the most important part is because in Tempe in that in the andy in, in downtown phoenix east valley everything's
0: connected yeah i mean except except for scottsdale uh they're still pretty much off on their own um but if you're going to no scottsdale, scottsdale,
1: scottsdale though so
0: yeah the people who are going to scottsdale will uber to scottsdale they don't need to worry about the light rail um but like transportation wise it makes sense population wise it makes sense the money it makes sense like, there's very little about this that doesn't make sense, which of course means that's probably not going to happen because we've all been here before, but we're just going to be happy for a little bit and just, just dream. Uh, I can't have my Eichel fantasy. I will take my arena in Tempe and that just absolutely perfect spot fantasy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before we
1: close things off, I do want to address one concern, and this seems to be, a because uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the comments, that's traffic. Because obviously, I'm trying to look. I mean, it's on the corner of two six-lane roads, but... It is.
0: Rio Salado doesn't get that bad at that point, but a big caveat in that is, because they used to drive that way to get home, uh, it had been under construction for about a year for the um, for the streetcar, um, so that really like weirded out the traffic thing. It's it's doable for them to possibly do it a couple of extensions if they need to. Like I said, there's a lot of space there that's just vacant. Um,
1: there is going to be a lot of infrastructure changes. So for people, so people who are concerned about that. A lot of the money that they that's that, that was that was put into this that from reading the article is going to be to helping the infrastructure, not just the building, but everything in that area. It's a whole development, not just in the arena.
0: Yeah, because everything now, like it can't just be an arena. You need a place to, like pregame and shops and yeah, all yeah, that kind yeah, of re- stuff. Yeah,
1: restaurants, entertainment centers, yeah. uh, public transit t- hubs, you name it, everything.
0: Yeah, but that is also why I think traffic could potentially not be as bad. Um, Arizonans do not necessarily like public transportation because it tends to not be good. It's it's getting better, in my opinion. But public transportation could easily help alleviate traffic concerns there. Um, more so, I think, than Glendale. I think it'd be easier if there are people hopping on street cars or walking to the light rail cars um like even if you have like five thousand fans uh doing that that's like a significant portion that's not driving
1: i mean especially too i mean i know we're going way over time on this but this is a pretty good conversation on the on you know on all this potential idea of how this all can work but even as something as simple as a shuttle that can take you from uh, ASU or from Mill, obviously they're really close, so it doesn't like you can kind of go to and those two to kind of together. Uh, from that area to the arena, like yeah. that would already that would that would help drive traffic down already itself because people can go ahead and head to uh, head to that area and you know pregame first and then take a shuttle or you know one of those other ways that people get to the arenas. Those like those you know. Biker peoples that tend to you know bike those shuttles, you know those kind of things. Yeah, uh, there will be ways. Yeah, for, it, to get from Mill and ASU to the arena. The
0: the team would be foolish if they did not have a bus waiting at ASU, like multiple buses to take college students to hockey games. Like any student rush game that doesn't have a bus, like they'd bus people from Tempe to Glendale i still be- i believe i know that there was talk about it i believe that program continued outside of covid of course like they would be having that running just every 15 minutes to go to the coyotes game as opposed to the hour and a half it takes to get to Glendale during rush hour um it is uh traffic is definitely a concern cuz traffic is always a concern in the valley but I think there's enough that the, that the team and the city can do to alleviate traffic in a way that only tr- public transportation can. Um, by getting just a bunch of people on a bus, a bus bunch of people on a shuttle. And it's going to be convenient for them. Make it free. Heck, give people a beer ticket at one of the bars at the arena and be like, hey, don't drive drunk home. Here's a free beer, sponsored by McFadden's too, or whoever ends up being there. Like you can ma- you can incentivize people to act in ways that alleviate traffic there. Absolutely. So, so
1: to anyone having concerns, don't worry. They will like that. Like you have almost no doubt. The city of Tempe and the Arizona Coyotes have something smart in place. To fix that
0: yeah tempe especially like they have the orbit buses um which i think anyone who has lived in tempe as a college student has used orbit buses numerous times they are not the best thing but they are free and they work and they work very well
1: Absolutely. tempe can
0: do transportation
1: Carl, I'm going to let you get any any uh any final thoughts you have either on this whole arena plan or anything else coming up coyotes related.
0: It it seems like right now coyotes fans have a lot of reasons for hope. Um and I want everyone to keep that in mind because things are going to get dark very soon probably. Uh I saw someone post like you know, if I was about to do something big, like trade a fan favorite player, I would also leak a read news. Uh, that's a good PR move. And the team has done like a lot of really good PR moves, but they're going to have to make a lot of hard decisions in the next coming weeks. And you're not going to like all of them, but just keep in mind that there is like a lot of silver linings coming up that you can hopefully see.
1: Absolutely. Everyone, that was Carl Pavlik of five for Howling.com. uh Once again, I'm Robin Leonio. This episode is just about done. Also way over time than we normally do. But again, we can't pass off a good conversation about a potential new arena because, hey, you know, here in Arizona, everyone's been waiting for a new one for quite some time. But again, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple if you are listening through that. Or just subscribe if you get to already. Being available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, don't forget to interact with us on social media. I am personally at Rob one, Locked On Coyotes Podcast, at LO underscore Coyotes. Ask a question, interact with us. We can answer those questions on a future episode of the podcast and uh yeah you know like we, again we love we just love interaction with you obviously you saw from from earlier yesterday that uh you know we kind of went i went back and forth with some of you guys and I, I like to keep doing that once again thanks everyone for listening and thanks carl for joining this episode hope you guys are staying safe out there hope you guys are staying healthy hope you are staying both cool and dry this summer and don't forget to howl on